Father, we are so blessed. You have given us the greatest gift that anyone could ever imagine, Lord, a gift beyond our comprehension. You have given us salvation through Jesus Christ, eternal life through Jesus Christ. You have given us your Holy Spirit, uh, Lord, and along with that, as we're going to see today, and we, we're, we're all aware of this, Lord, but you have given us so many spiritual gifts to go along with our gift of salvation. And so today as we look at this text, Lord, there's a lot of era in the era, area of spiritual gifts. So we want to uh, look at what your word has to say as to why you give us the gifts and how we're to use that gift and what gifts you actually give us. And the gifts that are biblical, Lord, the gifts that that uh, meet those criteria that you're going to show us today. So I ask that you teach us about spiritual gifts, Lord, as we again just reflect on the great gift of love that you showed us through Jesus Christ, our blessed Savior. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen. I'm going to talk about a comedian some of you might be familiar with. She lived a while back and Really funny lady. Let me just give you a few of her one-liners and see if you can guess who I'm talking about. She says, a bachelor is a person who has never made the same mistake once. <laughs> got to think about that a minute. Then she says, what I don't like about Christmas parties is looking for a job the next day. Got to think about that one, too. She says, I want my kids to have all the things I, could, I, I couldn't afford, and then I want to move in with them. <laughs> then she says, we spend the first 12 months of our children's life teaching them how to walk and talk, and then the next 12 years of their lives telling them to shut up and sit down. <laughs> you figured out who I'm talking about? Yeah, don't, don't, don't guess. Oh, you can't guess. Who is it? Phyllis Diller. You remember Phyllis Diller? Now, she was something else. When she was 38 years old, she realized that she wasn't a very attractive lady. In fact, she was pretty unattractive. Uh, she couldn't sing at all. She couldn't really do anything. She was a janitor. She was working as a janitor when she was 38 years old. And she would go to the movies and she would see these movie stars with these great looks. And she said, you know, if I look like that, I could be somebody in this world. And, but she didn't look like that. And then she would listen to some popular singer on the radio belt out their, her favorite tune, and she would say, oh, if I could sing like that, you know, I could, I could, I could make millions. And she was always complaining about her situation and the fact that she didn't feel, feel very gifted. And then one day somebody turned her on to the book, The Magic of Believing. And after reading that book, she decided to quit complaining uh, uh, about her situation, to quit comparing herself to others, and to use the gifts that she felt she had been given by God. And she reflected on what gifts she had, and she didn't have many, but she remembered that when she was in high school, she was the funniest girl on campus 
And so she set out to be a comedian, and, and we all know the story, and she found out she could make people laugh, and before long she was making millions of dollars as a comedian. And uh, she wasn't good looking. She didn't do it with her looks, and she didn't do it with her singing. She couldn't sing a lick. But she had the gift of making people laugh, and she blessed others with that gift. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking at this point. I'm going to buy that book, man, The Magic of Believing. Maybe I need to read that. Well, let me turn you on to a far, far better book than The Magic of Believing. But it's really a book about believing. It's the Bible. And let me tell you what the Bible has to say about you. The Bible says this about you. If you're a child of God, you are not an ordinary person. You are gifted. You have been gifted with talents and you've been given spiritual gifts to do great things. You've been gifted to serve others. And the more you serve others, the greater you become in the kingdom of God. Listen to what Jesus had to say about that. He said, but he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. In other words, he who uses his gifts to serve others will be the greatest in the kingdom of God. You catch that? I want all of us to think about that a minute. Are we using what God has given us to serve others? And that's kind of where Peter's going to head with this as we come to chapter 4. Look in chapter 4 with me, beginning down in verse number 10. Chapter 4, verse number 10. He says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, what does that first phrase tell you right there in verse number 10? What's that tell you? That tells me that every one of you, every one of us, if we're born again believers, we have at least one gift. One gift that God, one spiritual gift that God has given us. Peter says, as each one has received a gift, who's each one? Who's each one he's speaking of? Each one of you reading this, each one of you who are born again believers, and, and as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. So you've been, if you're a born again believer, you've been given a gift, and I really believe you need to, you should know by now what that gift is. I have people come up to me and they tell me they're born again believers and they say, man, I don't have any gifts. And you know what? Usually when I examine that per person's life, I realize that they're not doing anything for anybody but themselves. And the reason they don't know what their gift is is because what's the gift for? It's to minister to one another. So how do I know what my gift is? I mean, how do I know what my gift is? I used to be part of a denomination that loved, had this test that they loved to pass out where you could take the test and you could determine what your spiritual gift is. And the way the test went was something like this. There were several questions that, that tried to pry into your life to see what areas of your life where you could minister effectively 
and what areas of your life where you couldn't minister effectively and then based upon your answers the test would examine all of that the the tester would examine all of that and they could tell you basically what your gift is there's actually a website online if you want to go online and you can take those tests and uh, if you pay them they will actually send you uh, a reply and tell you what your spiritual gift is now what do I think about all of that I think that is nonsense absolute nonsense if you have a spiritual gift, you ought to know what that spiritual gift is. You know, and, and you can't confuse a gift with a talent. That's where a lot of people go wrong. They think because they're talented, they have a gift. Now, talents are gifts from God. A great baseball player who cares absolutely nothing about God has been gifted by God with a talent, whether he realizes it or not, or whether he wants to acknowledge God or not. But that doesn't mean that he has a spiritual gift. Phyllis Diller had a talent for comedy, but I don't believe she had a spiritual gift for comedy, or her comedy might have been a little bit different than the way it was. So there's a different. Well, talent is something you're born with that you're good at doing. That's, that's what a talent is. You can be a great singer and have a talent, but not be gifted. A gift is a supernatural blessing. Did you catch that? It's a supernatural blessing. Now, let me give you some biblical test on how you can find out what your spiritual gift is. Let me give you three tests to help you figure out whether or not you've been given a gift or, and what your gift is. First of all, Test number one, we've already looked at. Are you born again? Well, if you're born again, look at verse number 10. As each one has received a gift. That tells me we, if we're born again believers, we have all received a gift. So the first test is, are you born again? If you're born again, the answer is you do have a gift. Now, figuring out that gift might be a little bit harder, especially if you aren't doing any type of ministry. So, so what you want to do, the second test is, you got to answer the question, where has God placed me in ministry? Because look at what Peter says here in this verse. He says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to others. Use it to minister to others. Now, if God has placed you in a hospital to work, then I believe more than likely as a believer, if you're placed there and you love that work, then your gift is mercy. You have the gift of mercy. I don't have the gift of mercy. I don't like being around hospitals and needles and all of those kind of things. I have the gift of running when it comes to hospitals. I don't want to have anything to do with them. I, and I kind of, Roy was in the hospital this week having surgery. By the way, y'all pray for him. He's, he's having some difficulty right now, some fever and stuff with that surgery, so keep him in prayer. But, but uh, uh, I don't enjoy going to hospitals. I mean, I mean, I do it because I'm a pastor and I think that's the thing you're supposed to do. But it's, I'm not gifted to do that. I'm not talented to do that. I do it because of love, because I care for people. Now, and because I have to. <laughs> but if I don't love you, I won't come to the hospital to visit you. I can tell you that right now. You might be called to the mission field. Man, I, 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 I had Alan... Uh, 
a black man with, at our house and with us for a couple of days when they came here to visit. And man, that's all he could talk about. He was like Bubba Gump with shrimp. You know, you can barbecue it, you can fry it. I mean, you can, you, can, you can bake it, you can, you know, you can do all these things. I mean, he was telling me everything about the mission field and I, and I wanted to know a little bit about it, but not everything, everything he did every single day. And he never quit talking about the mission field. Why is that? Because God has gifted him for missions. He's gifted him to be an evangelist. I'm not gifted to be an evangelist. You know, if God gifts you to be an evangelist, you know what you're going to do? You're going to tell everybody you see about the gospel. You're going to tell the gospel to everybody. Now, I think we all as believers have an obligation to share the gospel. But Paul says, and Peter both says, Paul says, mind your own business. You know, if you're an ordinary believer. Peter says, you know, as a wife, you win your husband without a word. So I think we share the gospel as believers by the way we live our lives. And then when the opportunity comes, we, we voice that. But, but we don't run around every person we see. We got to give them the gospel. I know got people like that. And they want to wonder why I'm not like that. You know why I'm not like that? Because I haven't been gifted to do that. But, you, but you'll know your, minister, your gift by where God places you in the ministry. We're, and, and that place might not necessarily be the church. You might be a housewife who has the gift of administration and you administer to the affairs of the home and you're great at it. Your husband's terrible at it, but you keep the checkbook and you buy the groceries and you pay the bills and you do all of these kind of things because you have the gift of administration. You might have the, a supernatural gift of exhortation. But if you get that gift, let me tell you where God's going to place you. He's going to place you in the most horrible place in the world. The worst school, the worst uh, hospital, the worst wherever you work. I mean, the worst factory, whatever. He's going to place you there so you can cheer people up. Because they're being oppressed and, and they're depressed and God places you there to cheer them up. You go into one of these, you get one of these jobs and you go into, I remember when I went into the military and you go into basic training, there's nobody happy there. Man, I did my best to try to make people happy. I don't think I have a gift for exhortation, but I think I've, you know, I like to be funny. I like to make people happy. I don't like being sad. I don't like people be, around me being sad. So I try to cheer people up. So God places you in places where you can help people with that, where they're having a tough time. But let me say this, most of the time, your gift is going to be used in kingdom work. So that means most of the time, your gift is going to be exercised in the church. Any other uses of the gift, I believe, are the exceptions and not the rule. Because he says we're to minister to one another. Who's one another? Born again believers. So fellow Christians, where, to minister, where do you find fellow Christians? At the church. Well, I have them at my home. Well, you got to go past your home to find your gift. I mean, you might have the gift of administration, but if you got the gift of preaching, your kids are going to get tired of you preaching all the time. My kids got tired of me preaching all the time before I finally got my own pulpit. They were, they were saying, Dad, I wish you'd hurry up and get a pulpit. You're driving us nuts with all your preaching. That's why it really bothers me, really bothers me 
when I hear people, and these people that say this are the most self-centered people you ever want to be around. Let me tell you about them. You might know some of them. It really bothers me when they tell me there's no need for the organized church, that they'll do their own churching at home. That really bothers me. That is just a cop-out for laziness. That is a cop-out for self-centeredness. Let me ask you a question. How do you minister to the church when you isolate yourself from the church? Now, there are a lot of problems with the organized church, but there are some good churches, and you need to find a church. You need to hook into that church and find out what your gift is. The gifts are given not for us just to minister to our families, but for us to minister to one another. Let me tell you, what else also bothers me to no end? It, people who think that the gifts are for them are to be used for them to have a spiritual high. That really bothers me. I can't think of anything more self-centered or more heretical or more blasphemous than for people to go to church just to get high on the spirit. That is wrong. That's not what the spiritual gifts are for. What does Peter say? To minister to one another, to minister to somebody else. That's why God gifts you. He doesn't gift you to minister to yourself. Goodness, where have we come in, in Christendom where that's what we think church is about? Ministering to ourselves. That's part of it. Granted, you come here to be filled with the Spirit. You come here to worship God and to be blessed by God. But mainly, really, you know what your attitude should be? I'm going to bless God by my worship. I'm going to bless God. I'm going to bless others. That's why I come to church. That needs to be the attitude of the church. You know, I think the only exception to 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 what I just said, that, that the gifts are for ministering to, one, to others, is the gift of tongues in private prayer. In private prayer. I believe you can minister to yourself and minister to God with the gift of tongues in private prayer. Paul says, I speak in prayer, in, in, I speak in tongues in private. But this idea of if all of you guys start gibbering in tongues and trying to get high on the spirit and you don't care a flip about the person next to you, that's not a gift from God. That is not a gift from God. Now, even tongues in most cases is used, for the, is used to help others. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 when he's speaking of tongues, it's for the edification of the church. Now, how do tongues edify the church? Well, when you speak in tongues, if you do it biblically, you're no more than two or three to speak in tongues, and, and then there's to be an interpretation. So with the gift of tongues comes the gift of interpretation of tongues. And so you have an interpretation that edifies the church. But if all of y'all are just getting up 
And I have the gift of tongues, so I'm not putting down the gift of tongues. Man, I, I love the gift of tongues. But if all of y'all are getting up and speaking a bunch of tongues for, each, for yourself, and there's just a bunch of noise going on, that's wrong. That's wrong. And these new gifts that you see nowhere in the Bible, gifts like holy laughter, and slaying in the spirit and barking. Man, that's really getting bad. When you start barking, you better find an exorcist is all I can say. That's not the spirit of God. That almost, you see why I say it's blasphemous? To say that's the spirit of God? And you want my opinion about those gifts? They are demonic. They are demonic. If you go into a church and that's what they're doing, you get out of there as fast as you can. You'll, if you're a born-again believer, you will sense. You will sense the demonic presence in there. Let me tell you, you'll sense it. I have no doubt you'll sense it. If you can walk in there and you can be fine with that, I worry about you. There's a third test. If you have a gift, you know you have a gift, and let me tell you why, because something a gift is supernatural. Something supernatural takes place when you exercise a gift. Because look at the last part of verse number 10. He says, he says as a good steward, what's a good steward? In, the, in that age, they had stewards who ran the household or ran the farm. Actually, they ran everything for the owner. And they were given the keys to everything. Just like we've been given the keys to the kingdom of God. And, and one of the keys that you've been given are your spiritual gifts. Those are keys that open up things for you that nothing else could open up for you. Open up avenues of ministry that, that you couldn't open up on your own. And so you're given the keys to the kingdom. Back to the verse, he says, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. See, the, 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 let me tell you what the spiritual gifts are. They are the various ways that God makes his presence known through you. That's what a gift is. I mean, if God's not present, if you're singing and God's not present, that's not a gift. That's a talent. If you're up here and you're playing the guitar and God's not involved in it, then that's a, that, I mean, you could be the best guitar player in the world. Man, I'll tell you what, Eric Clapton's a great guitar player. He got nothing on Bridget or West, but, but he's a great guitar player. But he's talented. He's not gifted. And I'm going to tell you something. You know the difference. You know the difference when you're ministering uh, through the power of God and when you're ministering uh, as, as, and, and using a talent. You know the difference. There's a presence of God in what you're doing. You know, I remember... When I, the first time I taught an accounting class, and you might not agree with my assessment of myself, and it's pretty high, I can tell you right now, but, <laughs> but try to say this as humbly as I can. But, <laughs> but I, I remember the first time I taught an accounting class. I'm just being real. I'm trying to be real without being boastful. I knew God had given me a talent to explain things in a way that made them simple, in accounting. I, I, it's just something I, I, I was able to do. And people recognized that I had that talent to do that. 
Well, when I got saved and God called me in the ministry, I went to preach my first time and I thought, oh, well, you know, and I was scared to death and I, I didn't know, you know, how I was going to handle this because there was a lot more people out there than there were when I was teaching a class and, and I was talking about things that were much more important than accounting and I didn't know what was going to happen. And I, and I worked out this sermon where, I, you know, I, I thought I could explain the text. But something happened when I got in the pulpit. A supernatural experience took place. And I sensed the presence of God. And I knew that when I was preaching that day, that first time, that wasn't a talent. That was a gift. A gift God had given me. And that's where he placed me in the ministry because he had given me that gift. Now, I'm sure there's days you think, man, you ain't got any gift, dude. What are you talking about? But hang in there. One day he's going to bless it good and you're going to say, wow. You know what? Most of you know. Most of you know. Y'all heard me mumbling and fumbling up here like an idiot before when, when God's spirit didn't on me. You probably, some of you saying, you do that all the time. What are you talking about? But I know the difference big time. And I remember Adrian Rogers say, said something that I totally agree with. I would rather die than get into this pulpit without the anointing of God. Just like if you've got the gift of mercy, you would rather die than go visit somebody in the hospital and not have the anointing of God. You know the difference. If you've got the gift of evangelism, you would rather die than try to share the gospel without the Spirit of God. You just know when the Spirit of God's power is on what you're saying. I have a good friend of mine in Birmingham who plays the organ at a large church there. And you would think just playing the organ, I mean, he's very, very talented. I mean, he plays in symphonies. He, they, they send him all over the world to play the organ. But he knows the difference. When he's in church, on he'll, after he's had a good Sunday, man, he will call me. He said, man, you, the Spirit of God, you're just not going to believe this. The Spirit of God was there today, and, and people were weeping when I was playing the organ. They were weeping and they came up to me afterwards. They said how God spoke to them through that hymn and how blessed they were. Man, that is a gift. That's not a, the guy has talent, but that's a gift. Someone might say at this point, well, pastor, I, I, I'm just not sure I have a gift. Let me say, tell you what, you probably do have a gift. And if you don't have a gift, it's because you haven't asked for a gift. Or you ask amiss, as James says, you ask it for your own selfish purposes. So, so what do you do if you don't know your gift? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand right now, but ask yourself that question. What is my spiritual gift? You can't answer that. You're not condemned by any means, and I'm not trying to do that. The Lord's not condemning you. The Lord wants to bless you. He wants to bless you with a gift. He wants to gift you beyond your wildest imagination. So, what do I do? Well, you remember what Paul, I mean, what Peter said back in verse number 8. Remember what he said? He says, love, he actually was quoting from Proverbs 10, 12. He says, love covers a multitude of sins. 
But you could add to that, love covers a multitude of lacking of gifts. So what you lack in gifts, make up for in love. I'm not gifted, well, go show some love. Because you remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians? He said, desire the best gifts, and yet I show you the most excellent way. And that is to show love. To show love to one another. And I believe this. If you show love, if you're willing to show love, if you're willing to step outside your comfort zone and show love to other people, God is going to give you a supernatural gift. I don't care what your talents are, man. I'd much rather have a gift than a talent all day long. So I don't have any talents. Fine. You're better off than most people. I mean, go say, Lord, I can't do anything. But do you know what he'll say to you? Say to you, with Christ, you can do all things. With Christ who strengthens you. So you go out and you love people. And you begin to show love to others and you're going to know what your gift is. Because you know what? God has an infinite storehouse of spiritual gifts to pass out. There's no limit to what he can gift you with. There's no limit whatsoever. Listen to the gifts that he gives us in, in verse number 11. He, 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 I'm not going to get into a long, drawn-out dissertation on gifts. I like what Peter does here. He, 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 he narrows it down. He says, if anyone speaks, let him speak the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, the gift which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So he narrows the gifts down into two categories. Do you see them there? What are they? One are speaking gifts. Two are ministry gifts. You should have one of those gifts. Speaking gifts. Now, I'm not talking about talking a lot. I'm talking about the, the gifts of tongues, interpretation of tongues. That, that falls under speaking gifts. Speaking the oracles of God because the interpretation is an oracle of God. Words of knowledge are or, or oracles of God. Where God gives you some special uh, supernatural word about somebody's situation that and that might come through a dream or a vision that is a word of knowledge exhortation where you just got the ability to, to make people happy in the worst situations that's exhortation teaching we've already talked about evangelism we've already talked about but if you're not a speaker, don't worry about it. There are other gifts. There are ministry gifts. There's the gift of administration. You know, not many people have that gift. I don't want to brag on David and give him the big head. He's already got it. But, but uh, David has the gift of administration. David doesn't get up here and speak. He's not a, I don't know, I don't say he's a bad speaker, but he, he's not into speaking. But man, he does a great job with our media, doesn't he? He does a great job with our bulletins, with our books, with, with all sorts of stuff. That's a, and he loves it. I hate those things. He loves it. That's because God's gifted him to do that. You're gonna, that's another, you could actually put that in your, your test of gifts. If you love what you're doing, that's a gift. If it's supernatural and you love it, that's a gift. 
There's a gift of leadership. Now, I know everybody in this room thinks they got the gift of leadership. That's why we've got too many ch Indians and not enough chiefs, or too many chiefs, or I got it wrong. <laughs> That's what we've got. We've got too many chiefs <laughs> and not enough Indians. But uh, gift of leadership. Some people have that. You know you got that if you have it. The gift of mercy, we've already talked about that. The gift of faith. The, gift, the supernatural gift of faith. You know, faith is a gift of God. Your faith that you have that led you to Jesus Christ, that is a gift. But God empowers you with faith to do great things. To do things you would never try to do. If you didn't have that faith, that's not a gift you necessarily want. Because if God gives you the gift of faith, let me tell you what, he, what you're going to be doing. You're going to be waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting. Abraham had the gift of faith, didn't he? For 25 years before that child was born, he was promised. Nathan came to me after... He left California. Well, actually came to me just recently. And he said, when I left California and I'd batted higher than 90% of the kids there and I'd ran the second fast time and they gave out 50 contracts to the Frontier and American Association, they didn't give me one. He said, my faith was crushed. My faith was wiped away. I said, Nathan, that's not true. I said, that's not true at all. I said, because for six months since you left California, I've watched you every day go out and hit that baseball. Amen. I've watched you every day go out and run. I've watched you every day uh, work a job at a factory so you could save up your money to, to go to Detroit, which was the one contract he did get. It's where he's heading now. I said, your faith wasn't crushed. I said, your expect expectations were crushed. I said, there's a big difference. I said, when your expectations are crushed, that's when you see the supernatural faith of God step in. When you got to get up and do it when there seems to be no way. And you got to believe that God can make that way. Friends, that's where the supernatural faith comes in. That's why I say, I don't know, I want that. Because if I'm in a situation where I have to have supernatural faith, that means I'm in a very difficult situation where I'm waiting on God to help me and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. But God will give you that gift if you're willing to step out. I, mean, I don't know what's going to happen to Nathan, but I'm not worried about his faith. I'm not worried about his faith. I mean, God might end this thing this week and he'll be back home again. But I'm not worried about his faith. And you know what? God, more than anything else, wants to build faith in us. So most of us are probably going to get the gift of faith. We're probably not going to like some of the things that are going to transpire to help us have that gift. Or to, you see that we do have that gift. The gift of healing. I believe some people, I don't know of any. I, I, I believe I've seen, we have seen healings in this church. But I don't know of anybody, and it's certainly not B.H., 
I don't name names here, but, it, but it, who has the gift of healing. But I don't know of anybody that can run around every hospital and empty them out or they'd be doing it right now. But I believe in the gift of healing. The apostles had the gift of healing. I believe there have been some people since then that have the gift of healing. And probably you wouldn't know it because they're very humble people. Uh, the gift of wisdom. The gift of discernment. I mean, discernment, you can sense when somebody's in trouble. Wisdom, you can show them how to get out of that trouble. you got a gift for that, a supernatural gift for that. So, if you don't know your gift, start showing love to other people. Step out of your comfort zone. Minister to somebody beside yourself. And I promise you, you'll find that gift. I mean, gifts are for showing love. That's what they're for. I mean, when we exercise our gift, we become somebody. We become somebody in the kingdom of God. Jesus said this in John 13, 25, by this they will know you are my disciples, that, you're, that, that I'm living and present in you, if you show love to one another. That's how they see the gifts. And that's how, look at the last part of verse number 11 as we finish up, that's how you glorify God through Jesus Christ. Man, it's great to sing praises up here on Sunday morning. It's great when you go home to sing praises. But if you really want to glorify Jesus, God through Jesus Christ, then you exercise your gift by showing love to one another. That's how you glorify God. Love. As we said last week, love Changes everything. Everything. Vince Lombardi was perhaps the greatest football coach who ever lived. And somebody asked him one time, what, you know, if you could just sum it up, what is the secret of your success? And he put it like this. He says, a lot of coaches have talented and gifted players. A lot of coaches are talented. They, 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 they know the game, and they have talented and gifted players. They know the fundamentals, and they have discipline, which you got to have discipline. But they don't win many games. They got all of that, but they don't win many games. He said, you've got to have another ingredient. Let me read what he says in order to be a winner. If you're going to play as a team, you have to care for one another. You've got to love each other. Each player has to be looking out for the other players. Each player has to be thinking about the guy next to him and say to himself, what happens to him if I don't do my job? If I don't block, what happens to the running back? What happens to the quarterback? If, if I don't make that tackle... 
Will my team win? Will I let my teammates down and the other team win? He says, our, gods, our guys think that way. So the difference between mediocrity and greatness is the feeling these guys have for one another. Because love, love changes everything. In football and in life, it changes everything. Hey, the most gifted and talented church is not necessarily the greatest church. I'll tell you where the, great, the greatest church, what the great, greatest church is. That's the church where the members have love for one another. Not mushy, gooey love. I'm talking about love in action. Where they help one another. And let me tell you what. When people love one another, the gifts follow. You want to see a gifted church? I'm talking about gifted with supernatural power. They are a loving church. They are a church where members minister to one another. They might not be the largest church around, but they're the greatest church around. You want this church to be a winner? Then look past the, pew, the chair, we don't have pews, the chair you're sitting in and say, how can I help that other person? How can I minister to that other person? Where can I use my gift? That's how you become great in the kingdom of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, we just thank you for the way you've gifted us spiritually, Lord, with the spiritual gifts, with the salvation we have through Jesus Christ. Lord, and now it's our duty, it's our calling to glorify you through our love for one another. Father, I just ask today that as a church that we're touched with that exhortation to go out beyond ourselves, to just look for places where we don't have to look hard, Lord, but to look for places where we can help one another. Just show us that and let us be a church that is gifted, and uses those gifts for your kingdom. A great church, Lord. Because we glorify God through our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen.